My name is Ruben. I get the privilege of being one of the youth pastors at a church called Hope City Church. It's in South Edmonton, and I get the honor of leading our beloved teenagers. And for this morning, I'm excited to speak with you um, because this is an environment where, um, no offense to my own teenagers, this is an environment I get to speak in that does not smell like a mixture of body odor, Cool Ranch Doritos, and pumpkin spice from Starbucks. So we're off to a, we're off to a great start. I want to thank um, also, just first off, before I get going, Pastor Greg and Pastor Peter for um, just trusting me, allowing me to speak to your church this morning. I do what I do, and Pastor Tyler does what he does, because I truly believe that um, the students in our midst this morning um, are God's greatest chance in saving the next generation. Like the people sitting in these seats right now are literally God's greatest hope in redeeming the schools today. And we as a church and families are tasked to equip them and resource them uh, and to help them shape the future of the Christian church. They are sitting right here. Uh, they're not called, in my perspective, they're not called the next generation. They're the now generation. We don't need them just in a couple of years. We need them right now. And so as a church, be excited and anticipate and, and encourage them um, to be like, hey, here's the baton. Run with it. Go. Because you are the future. People in this room right now are future pastors, future board members, deacons, church members, wherever they're at. In the career fields, they are going to be a spitting image of Jesus in the future. They're sitting right here, right now. <clears throat> Can you give a, a, a round of applause to the youth band and the youth students that are just sitting here with us right now? <clears throat> so we had, we had an incredible weekend. Um, I woke up this morning, I looked myself in the mirror, I'm like, dear Lord, my eyes are just bloodshot. Uh, I chugged a coffee, got here, I am so excited to go. But if it's okay with you, I'd love to give you just a quick recap of what we talked about over the course of the weekend, and then I'll leave you with a, a, a short, simple, straightforward message for you as a church. Is that okay with you guys? Friday night, we, we kicked it off, and we just kind of wanted to give a call to, you know, bring our hearts and our lives back towards Jesus, and we talked about Zacchaeus, and we talked about how he, he is a short man, but his money made him big, and he had a reputation and thought he did not need Jesus. He was a chief tax collector, and as we know, for a chief tax collector, it probably took him years upon years, maybe decades and decades, to achieve that status, but then all of a sudden, one afternoon with Jesus, his life flips upside down. That's crazy. And so we talked about how no matter what we are doing in our lives, whatever setbacks or addictions or mental health or peer pressure or things that are sent to our lives as a new normal, one moment with Jesus changes everything. And so we learned that no matter what we go through, that our lives are not based on a performance towards him, but actually our position in him. And that we recognize that we are his sons and daughters, and there's nothing that we can do to earn his love. And even though Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus because he couldn't see past the crowd, I can't help but feel that Jesus was looking at him, looking at him the entire time. And so there's some times that we, you and I, might feel when we go through some moments that we can't see Jesus. Jesus sees you the entire time. So Saturday morning, we moved on, and we talked in a little more practical, and we talked about how, how to live holy in an unholy culture. How do you live life going to school, rubbing shoulders with people day to day, loving Jesus when everyone around you does not love Jesus? And so we talked about the classic story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who loves that story? Who saw the VeggieTales episode? I... 
Every time I think about that story, I just think about that cartoon. But we learned, we learned, we learned three simple things um, from that message. That one, that we learned that our identity is not found in idols. That King Nebuchadnezzar built a 90-foot golden statue, made everyone bow down to it, and three people did not. Uh, we do not have a golden statue today in 2019, but there are some gods that we sometimes bow down to. And, and, and it was a tough pill to swallow, but you're, you're only worth the value of the idols you bow down to. So if you bow down to unforgiveness, you're just getting bitterness in return. If you bow down to gossip, you're just getting gossip back in return. If you bow down to your boyfriend, girlfriend, iPhone, sports, whatever it is, that can only take you so far. The second point was your environments don't, your emotions, sorry, don't dictate your environments. Jesus didn't come just to change your behavior, but he came to transform your life from the inside out. And last was, the fire will always refine your faith. The fire is tough at times. The hardships are hard sometimes. But when we go through the fire and when we come out of it, it actually equips us in the future to take on more things that Jesus has for us. And who knows, the things that we go today that are really hard, the things that you do not look forward um, to do today, could be the solution for someone else tomorrow. What you go through today could help someone else tomorrow. And then finally, last night, we talked about Esther. It's an incredible story of Esther being queen and put into this position of influence, being blessed, living in the palace life, but also has a duty. That there's a secret agenda with another man in the government whose plan is to extinguish all the Jews. And here Esther is just deemed with this task to save them. But it's hard because if she goes and gives the request to the king, she could very well die. Not a very good marriage, may I just add. Um, and so we learned three things, very, very, very simple. That number one, just don't, don't pray for what you won't pay for. Don't, don't pray for God to give you a deep faith, but you still live a very surface level life. Don't pray for a pure thought patterns when you keep surrounding yourself with negative friends. The second thing is the blessing to you is meant to go through you. We know that as Jesus followers, yeah, we all have blessings, whether, yes, your money, time, gifts, talents, but we are to leverage those things and benefit God's kingdom. It's, it's okay for you to enjoy those things, enjoy those blessings, but the problem comes when it stops with you, right? And the last was, if you ain't afraid, you ain't doing it right. There's just something, there's something about the fear that actually um, lets you know you're actually on the right track. And so when you lean into the fear, yeah, you open up yourself to risk, but you open up yourself to reward as well. And so we pushed in, and it was just absolutely incredible. These students pressed in. It was such a joy to see. I'm so excited to see what God has planned for these students, the high school students, junior high students, and just overall how God's hand is working in Edmonton and in the greater area, including Morinville. So this morning, I want to take you through a story um, that actually, it, it's pretty fresh in my life that I've been just going through. And if it's okay with you, I'd love to be a little honest and vulnerable with you this morning. And this is something for the f past four or five months, God's been teaching me personally. So when I speak this, I do not come, I don't want to say this like I'm, I'm an expert in this. I'm still dealing with my own life. Um, but I would love to share a few thoughts from what um, I've been reading. There's this beautiful story in Exodus chapter 17. 
And we have the story of Moses leading the people of Israel into the wilderness. They're right smack dab in the middle of the wilderness. And as people, as human nature, we complain a lot. We grumble. We, we say things that we don't necessarily mean. Um, and all of a sudden, we have this story in Exodus 17 where the people of Israel are walking through the wilderness. It's hot. You're thirsty. I get it. Okay, and, and they're complaining towards Moses. Moses, give us water to drink. They sound, they sound like nagging children. And then all of a sudden we have the story with Moses in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 1. And I would love to read it for you this morning. We have two stories to read, one in this book and one in two books later. But I'm going to read it and I'll just kind of unpack it for you for a few moments. Sound good? Exodus 17, if you don't have your Bible, it's on the screen right on both sides. Look at that. That's fancy. This is what Exodus 17 says. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me and why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us? Our children, our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used to, to, to struck the, the water of the Nile, and call out the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the, the rock, and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Then later on in verse, in verse 7, it says, Moses named the place Massa and Meribah because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord here with us or not? If you, look, if you look down in two books later in, in uh, the, the, the book of Numbers, we actually see this exact same story happen again. People are walking through the wilderness. They're parched. They're tired. They're nagging children. Moses, give us water to drink. Moses, like, calm down. Be quiet. We have this story once again, like, very, like a, a duplicate scenario of the one we just read. But the ending happens a little differently. Now, for this one, I want to read through the message version, and this is what it says. God spoke to Moses, take the staff, assemble the community, you and your brother Aaron. Speak to that rock that's right in front of them, and it will give water. You will bring water out of the rock for them, and the congregation and cattle will both drink. Now, listen very carefully. Moses took the staff away from God's presence as commanded. He and Aaron rounded up the whole congregation in front of the rock. Moses spoke, listen, rebels. Do we have to bring water out of this rock for you again? With that, Moses raised his arm and slammed his staff against the rock once, twice, and water poured out. Congregation and cattle drank. God said to Moses and Aaron, because you didn't trust me, didn't treat me with holy reverence in front of the people of Israel, you two aren't going to lead this company into the land that I'm giving them. I hope you understand what I'm, what, what I'm reading here. At one time, um, Moses asked for God to help him in this situation. God gave him a simple instruction. The first time he says, strike the rock with your staff and water will come out. You follow me so far? The second time, exact same situation happens again. 
And God says a different response now. Moses, this time, I want you to speak to the rock. Don't hit it with your staff. Speak to the rock, and that same water will come out. Moses doesn't listen to God. He takes his staff, as a matter of fact, and he hits the rock. Yes, water does come out because God is faithful, but God is mad at Moses and his people, and this is the pivotal time where God tells Moses he is not going to enter the promised land. My message this morning is very, it's actually quite straightforward and simple. Is that God continually wants, you, wants to give you a new thing, but you sometimes have to let go of the old to receive it. That's easier said than done. Because sometimes it requires us to tap into a level of faith that we've never tapped into. And with that, it leaves us very hesitant. Following and trusting God in those moments when he, when he asks you to do stuff that requires, ugh, that looks a little weird. I don't know if I can do that. It's very hard, isn't it? I remember, and maybe you've gone through hard times in your life. I remember I've gone through a hard time in my life. I remember one time I uh, left for college. I graduated high school in Ottawa, and then I flew across the country to British Columbia and Abbotsford to go to school. Now, you, 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 know, you get to a new routine, food changes, schedule changes. Uh, maybe you've heard of this. Uh, uh, you, you, know, you, you put on a little weight. It's called a freshman 15. Have you heard of that? You know, you, just, you, get, a little, you get a little chunkier. You know, you're still look cute, but adorable. For me, it wasn't a freshman 15. It was a freshman 45. And I got home, and my mom, lovely lady, woman of God, looks at me straight in my face and says in the most kind way possible, son, you're getting fat. It hurt my feelings. I don't know why you're laughing. I'm just, I'm just kidding. This is Reuben, you need to get back into shape. I'm like, what, Mom, what are you talking about? A circle is a shape. I said, no, you need, to get, you, know, you need to get back into shape. It's like, okay. And so I go into this grueling process of getting back into shape. So I got back to the gym, and I got a personal trainer. Don't do that, by the way. It was the worst. This personal trainer is putting you through, like, cruel and unusual punishment. They're, I'm doing these exercises. They're absolutely grueling. I'm huffing and puffing. And all I can say is just look at them and be like, man, who hurt you? Why would you put me through this? But after that, I, I embarked on this journey. I went on a diet. And it was a no-carb diet. If you ever want to hate your life, do this. It was, it was awful. And, you know, I love it. You know, like, I, I, I love my cupcakes. I love my pasta. It's my, it's my, my spiritual gift, eating carbs. And, 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 and in this moment, I'm going 30 days without eating it. And, you know, like, the first couple days, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is okay. I can do this. And then day four hits. And then all of a sudden, I'm hangry. Do you know what hangry is? It's when you're hungry and angry at the same time. So I'm lashing out at people for no reason because all I ever wanted was just a plate of chicken Alfredo. That's all I wanted. <laughs> day, day 14, 15, 16, it gets weird. Your mind goes to crazy places. You start thinking about ex-girlfriends and coaches who gave you no playing time and why did Michael Jackson have to die. You think about crazy things. And then finally, day 23, 24, you just, you just give up. It's not even worth it anymore, Lord. Just take me now. It was awful. 
It's hard. And although this, this story could be a little comical and, and slightly juvenile, um, I would never want to be the person that would look at my life and, and, and see God ask me to do something and think to myself, that's impossible. Oh, that's too hard. We could have those moments, absolutely. But God did something good in my life. And he can do it again. And he can do it again. And sometimes we hold on to a small promise that God gave to, uh, God gave to us when in fact he just wants to give you a newer one and a better one. But just like our human nature, we are so quick and narrow-minded to hold on to our metaphorical staff, considering it our safe and comfort zone. Do you really think that's how God works? That he's so one-dimensional and linear and only able to deliver one single promise? Consider what Isaiah 43, 18 says. He says that, listen, forget that old stuff. It's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. And God is not a one-trick pony. He wants to continue to do something new and new in your lives, and that's what will cause a spiritual growth in your life. To depend on him, to rely on him, not to depend on your own strength and your own, dare I say, staff. An opportunity was missed for Moses. An opportunity to trust God. An opportunity to impact millions of people with his faithfulness. And that's going to eat at him forever. And I would not want to be in that position. I would never want to hold on to my comfortable staff and coast through life. I would never want to look back on my life and see a stack of regrets just staring back at me. I don't want to miss opportunities to be used by God. Opportunities that could touch lives or impact people or, or get myself out of this picture and be part of something greater. Because Jesus even said in John 14, 12, that whoever follows me and believes in me will also do my works, yet even greater works. So if you allow God to have um, full access to your heart and direct permission to your soul, you can now start to uh, boldly quote this verse. Because if Jesus wrote it, I believe he meant it. And so once this happens, God's greatness will not only just work on you, but it'll work through you. And the result will be reaching people with greater effectiveness, greater impact, greater vision, because that's the whole deal of the Father's house this morning, right? That is what the Jesus-based life is all about, to not be so comfortable, but to, to let go and allow God to do his work, right? So in this story, we have a few practical things that we can learn from Moses' life, and they'll be on the screen for you. Number one is this. With God, you don't have to understand the full puzzle in order to put down the first piece. With God, you don't have to understand the full puzzle in order to put down the first piece. We see this throughout the entire course of Scripture. In Genesis 12, when God calls Abraham, he says, leave your family, leave your country, and I, and I will show you where you're going to go. Right? Remember that story? 1 Kings 19, I believe it's 19, when Elijah invites Elisha to go with him. All he did was kiss his parents goodbye and then left. He didn't make a pros and cons list. He just left. Matthew 4, 20, when Jesus asked Peter to follow him. The Bible says in, in 4, 20 that he immediately dropped his nets. They, they're their nets, and they followed him. I think that God is sometimes strategically vague in his directions. Sometimes 
even to a point of one word. With Abraham, go. With Elisha, come. Peter, follow. And with Moses in this story, release. Release. Sometimes God will direct you uh, into the path, but will only lead you with one word. And what would that situation look like in your life? Maybe your faith isn't growing. Let's be real. Maybe you're not plugged into a community and God is trying to reach you with one simple word, serve. Maybe you're the only member that's a Christian in your family. You are literally a light in a dark place and God just wants to grab a hold of you and remind you of one simple word, just love. Maybe you are working right in the middle of your career field and you have this out-of-box idea for a ministry or a book or an event that will impact people in a positive way and God wants to remind you, start. One word can lead to something absolutely incredible. But you're thinking, Reuben, what's the second word or the third word or the fourth? I have to make a list. I have to make all these plans. Ah, I can't do it. Listen, the gospel never called you to be ready. The gospel just called you to do it right now. Don't you know that every time God calls someone, he always goes before them. And a lot of Christians, even in my, even in my time in, in my demographic, people my own age that are Christians, uh, think about the adventure that God would take them on. They say, maybe one day I'll be able to speak to that rock. Maybe one day I'll be able to speak to that rock. Why think about the future and think about one day when it can happen today? You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. You don't have to understand the full puzzle in order to put down the very first piece. The second thing is this is that it's not about your performance. It's about his power. This life, the Jesus-based life, it's not about your performance. It's all about God's power. Now, I can safely say in front of you that throughout high school, I was never bullied. In elementary school, never bullied. But in preschool, it's a different story. I had this bully this bully terrorized me. I would not want to go to school. Mom was like, ready to go? I was like, no, the bully's there. And uh, her name's Gabriella. <laughs> Again, I don't know why you're laughing. I'm sharing my deepest pain. Gabriella was mean. She was awful. Made my life stuff I can't say from the stage. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, like, she would always taunt me and, and make fun of me. Like, she, th she th once threw a rock at me. Like, what, are you, what is wrong with you, girl? And she'd be there, and she'd, like, throw, like, you know, put glue on my seat before I sit down or whatever it is. It's classic preschool stuff. And I remember, um, <laughs> I remember one time my mom bought me this um, Crayola set, 64-pack. I know. You know you're the man in the room when you own a 64-pack of Crayola. And at one time, I remember when I went to the washroom, um, uh, Gabriella did the, did the worst. Can you guess? She took my Crayola set, my crayons, and snapped them in two, every single one of them. I cried for days. I know. Feel my pain, right? Um, and this happened. So it was, she was in preschool all the way up to grade three. Now, grade three, things started to change. There was a new kid in my class, and his name was Dimitri. Now, he was Greek. 
He was big. Like, for a grade three, he looked like a man. Like, he, like, I don't know. He probably had hair on his chest. He was just big enough to eat hay and, 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 and dumb enough to actually enjoy it. And, and, but I, 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 had, I had a thought. I'm like, listen, I don't know if this is a word from the Lord. But like, man, you need to befriend this guy because things could change. I can use him as a personal bodyguard. And so he comes in, and I start to swoo him with my, something called the Reuben charm. Maybe you've heard of it. And I go, and I sit down next to him at lunch, and I, you know, slide over my pudding cup. Hey, man, this one's on the house. And I start to befriend him a little bit, and I actually became good friends with him. We'd hang out, we'd play video games together and stuff like that. Let me tell you, in preschool, I was very shy and very timid walking the hallways. Grade three, with him by my side, there's just like a different, that's a different strut to my step when I'm walking at school. It's like I'm owning the hallways because Dimitri's right by my side. And then Gabriella starts to approach me and thinks she's going to taunt me. But I'm like, wait, hold up, girl. Have you met Dimitri? <laughs> and since that day, Gabriella never bothered me again. And, 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 and this is a story that just illustrates that. Like, I, I, I was now... Even though it was grade three, I was now living a, just a, a lifestyle and walking, just completely depending on someone other than me. Like someone much greater than myself, someone who's just bigger, stronger, and just like in our lives with Jesus, that we are to live our lives not depending on ourselves, but fully dependent to a higher source, a higher power, someone greater than you, someone that will come to your rescue even if you don't have the words to say. Why does God always elevate our spiritual journey? It's because he, uh, he continually wants us to depend on him. He'll often put us in situations we cannot control to show that he's actually in control. In this story, God didn't want Moses to think that it was his power that made the rock flow. God wanted to teach Moses that he's not Yahweh. He's not the king of kings. He's not the Messiah. He's not the man. I'm sorry, but this may be a tough pill to swallow, but people in this room, your comfortable and routine performance will not create revivals. Your you just going through the motions will not set the captives free. It will not soften the hardest of hearts. I think, the, do you know who the most dangerous Christians are out there? It's not the, it's not the doubters. It's not the scared it's not the skeptics. It's the ones who think they have it all figured out. Because if you're not careful, friends and, and, and even students, that you will, keep, you, you will keep relying on your staff. You will keep relying on your comfort zone. And you will go through this vicious cycle called going through the motions. And then all of a sudden you're going to think you're the man or you're the woman. And, and all of a sudden you're going to start bowing down to your own altar. And you won't be able to see God anymore because you're in the way. Moses never had the power to release water from the rock. God has the power. You will never have the power to soften hearts and save lives. God has the power. So what's the point? Do the work you're able to do, but let God do the work he's able to do. Moses needed to release his comfort in order for the miraculous to move. Last point is this. If you want to take the front seat to your destiny, you have to take a back seat to your security. And I mean this by this. Those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. And I was just chatting with this message with, with Pastor Tyler. And he's like, man, this, like, that's just like the mantra of this church. Just hold on to things loosely. 
And it was just crazy how this all came about. Those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. So if you feel like your life is staying stale, if you feel, if you feel redundant, if it feels like you're going through the motions, then what are you holding on to that you're scared of losing? Maybe it's that one incident that you, that you know that won't ever happen to you again. Maybe you're holding on to that one relationship, but you know deep down God has, has something else in plan. Maybe you're holding on to your gifts and your talents and you're hoarding it for yourself rather than benefiting the church and God's kingdom. Some of you are so caught up in all these things. Maybe it's your status or your reputation. Some of you are so caught up in those things that it becomes your identity. If you're not careful, the identity becomes your label. And that's dangerous because labels create limitations. And you will plateau very quickly in your faith. I believe that God is saying to you know, me and you this morning that, yeah, that miracle was great, but I can do it again and I can do it better. That one time, that, that blessed time was great. Great. I got something bigger for you. Like I mentioned before in Isaiah 43, forget that old stuff. I got something new for you. And so as a church, as a body of Christ living in Mournville and impacting this, this, this city, may we be people that are not be so complacent and comfortable and coast through life, holding on to things that make us feel good, but release. God wants to give you something incredible, but sometimes we have our fists held so tight that we can't receive the new things because our fists are closed. So my question to you is very simple. What do you need to let go so God can give you something new? And I, I get the privilege of being a youth pastor at a church, and I'm in love with my, my, my students, my youth ministry. They are so dear to my heart. But my calling wasn't very black and white. It wasn't very direct. It was a lot of questioning and researching and praying and wrestling. I had my own plans. I had my own futures set. I was the type of kid, I came from the type of family that you got to have your 10-year plan in set. And although my parents were Christian, are Christian, you know, announcing the plans that, hey, I think God is calling me to go to ministry, lead a church. And they were, they, they, they liked it, but they're very like cautious with it. Like, oh, are you sure? And they didn't, they didn't believe it. They didn't believe that was God. And through confirmations and things like that, it led me to realize, like, man, I don't have it all together. But what I am going to do is I'm going to let you, God, do the work you're able to do inside my life. Because I, I didn't accept Jesus until I was 17 years old. I didn't accept Jesus until I was going into grade 12. And so I went to college just under two years of being a Christian. And all I wanted to do was just, man, I just want to learn this Bible. I'm going to let you, God, work in my life and see what, what happens. I never wanted to brown nose people or make connections. I just want to be faithful. Read my Bible, pray, and seek what he has for my life. I graduated in 2013, and now it's 2019, and I can tell you I am working in a church that, from my perspective, is just my family now. I'm working with my students. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do life with my students. I couldn't see it any other way because I opened up my hands and I opened up my hearts and now fast forward, and I'm working my dream job with dream students, and I'm now preaching about the same God that 10 years ago I actually hated. And so, and there's these moments that, you know, you think you have it all together. You think that you can do it. You can't. You can do it only, only for so long and for such time. 
but you will need to allow God to come into your life and to just empower you and consume you. And when you realize that God is your everlasting, then you will be able to be that person that will not only hit the rock with a staff, but you now have the power to speak to things and things will come about. Things will come to reality. I believe for you and your church as you leave this morning that you will start to speak things over Morinville. You will start to speak things over this church community, over your coworkers or family members who do not know Jesus just yet, and the miraculous will start to move because your hands are like this, not like this, right? As we, as we end off t- uh, this morning, I want to do a, a quick response, um, but it just allows you to stay in your seat, so don't worry, don't have to move. But the question is, is that uh, what is something you need to let go of to allow God to fill your hands and your hearts once again? And sometimes to allow yourself to open up your hearts, um, you need to have a proper view and understanding of who God really is. And so as we do a response, before we just show it, I have a little video I want to show you. Before we play it, let me just preface that. um, So this is actually a video that that our youth ministry made. And um, it was this young girl. She's in grade 10 now, but when we're filming, she's in grade 9. So a young girl came up to me and was like, hey, I want to do this, um, this video. She's a dancer. She's really good, and she's like, I want to do a dance that will, that will just show people who Jesus is. I'm like, wow, that's very interesting. It's like, I want to do a dance that will, that will, and I want to make a video out of it, that will just be inspiration to other people. Because I feel like when I dance, I get so close to Jesus, and he just fills me up, and I, and I feel like, I can just do anything. I can just trust him. And so our team, our students, just our kids just filmed it. They put it together. Um, and so in this video, you're going to have a combination of this young lady dancing and uh, with the music and the lyrics. And this actually scriptures is going to be in the video. The whole point is this. I just want to show this to you just to give you like a motivation, an inspiration to put our awe in a proper place of who God really is. And just, uh, so I'm going to ask you the question, what do you need to let go in order to receive the new? And um, take a look at this video. It's just under, it's just about four minutes long. And after that, I'll come and pray with you guys. Sound good? Go ahead.
time I see this video, it just gives me this, this sense of like awe of, of who God is. And I read the scriptures and I just listen to the lyrics of that song and I just can't help but feel and think that, God, you are so big. You're so majestic. You're so sovereign. And I'm just so small. So who am I to close my fists and to take care of my own plans when you have everything in store for me? And so I hope that this was a, an encouragement for you and a challenge as well, because I believe the best for you and even just getting to know your students over the course of this weekend, that something great is going to happen in this city because of the Father's house, because of you and people who are willing to open up your hands and not have closed fists. I would love to pray for you at this time. And then after I'm done praying, I'll dismiss you. And if you need prayer, um, Tyler and uh, some of his team will be up the front for you. It was great to uh, hang out with you. It was, it was a privilege to speak to you and be in your church. This is an amazing church. I've heard so many good things about it. And I'm so glad I get to see it with my own eyes. But for right now, let's pray together, shall we? Jesus, thank you so much for the morning. Thank you so much for this church. Thank you so much, Lord, of the work that you're doing in and through us, through these people sitting here. And God, we're, I'm just so excited to, to, to see what you have in store for Morinville. I'm so excited to see what you have in store through this church body. And so God, as we just, um, our awe is put into a proper perspective, God, would you come and fill our hearts once again? If we are people that are feeling a little stale, feeling our life is getting a little redundant, Maybe uh, we are just drifting away from you. Lord, maybe we know that we need to come closer to you. God, I pray that you would just fill us once again. I pray you would just uh, consume us with your presence and your spirit and let us know that you are here, that you're here to stay, and that you're here to hold our hand just every step of the way in our lives. So Jesus, I pray that we would be people that would hold on to things loosely, that we would let go and let you take care of our lives. May we not be people that would hoard things. May we not be people that would hoard our money and talent and time and gifts, but may we use it to leverage it to expand your kingdom. So God, I pray a blessing over everyone. I'm especially thankful for our youth students right here in this room, and they're going to be world changers in a matter of just months and years. So God, I pray for them. I pray you would just give them a spirit of boldness as they go to school next week. I pray that when they walk the school hallways, they'll be a light in a dark place. I pray that they will, when they walk into the room, people will look at them a little differently. So God, thank you for leadership. Thank you for Pastor Greg and Peter and Tyler and Rick and the rest of the team. And God, I just pray a blessing over the Father's house this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone. I hope you have a great rest of the long weekend. If you need prayer, Pastor Tyler is here for you. But have a great Sunday, everyone.